0: At this church, right? We're not uh, like that here. Um, so the second week of January, I think it's the week of the seventh. On Tuesday night, we have our first coffee house group right here at the church. Um, I'm excited. I want to encourage you to come to that. We also have a home group starting up also that week. So not only are we going to have a group here at the church, but we're going to have a group in somebody's house also. That'll be our first one for this. And, and if, uh, if you would just join us, it'll be a great time of fellowship. Amen? Amen. All right. So we are going to get into the Word tonight. We, uh, I'm excited because we kind of wanted to... Um, I know everybody has a lot of festivities. Um, we have a lot going on tonight. Some people celebrate Christmas Eve as much as Christmas, right? So I'm going to try to wrap this up by like 6 p.m. I'll certainly be done by 7. Certainly. Just joke. Just kidding. Just kidding. But we're going to get into the message. Um, I'm excited for the message this evening, what the Lord's put on my heart. But I'm going to invite my beautiful wife up. Come on up, Trace. Would you give it up? My beautiful wife. thought we'd do something a little different this evening. Um, my wife is going to read... The Christmas story to us in Luke and in Matthew, some of the verses. Um, you want to do that? Yeah.
1: Okay, so we're from Luke chapter 2. Um, is it going to be on the screen? It'll be on the screen. Oh, now I have, if I make a mistake. <laughs> in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quinarius was governor of Syria. is born the day in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger. And suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, (laughs) peace on earth, to all favor will rest. This is Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary, who was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his dream, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took took his wife but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. God, we thank you for this beautiful Christmas season. We thank you for family. We thank you for friends. But most of all, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that that many years ago, you sent your son, your beautiful, precious son, to to come to this earth to save us. And we thank you, God, for this day. We thank you for the things that will happen in the future. But, God, we just thank you for what is happening now. We thank you that you are coming in this room with us today. I pray over Steve right now as he presents this message to us. God, I pray that his words would move our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
0: Thank you, my beautiful wife. Yes, give it up for her. It's the... Best looking scripture reader I've ever seen. I'd have to get her number later. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Do you guys remember the the nineties sitcom home improvement? Y'all remember this, right? Like that was it was a it was a big sitcom, lasted a long time. It started September seventeenth, nineteen ninety one. And it went all the way to May 25th, 1999. So it lasted quite a few years, right? I think I have a picture of it on the screen. You all remember? That? Anybody, anybody watched this? Anybody? Yeah, quite a few of us, right? It was about a supposed, and I say supposed home improvement expert, right? Who was always injuring himself trying to do silly things with his home. Do you guys remember that? Tim, Played by Tim Allen. And it was hilarious. And some of it was, you know, I miss 90s shows. Because in 90s shows, you didn't have, like, all this CGI and all the... Like, you had to actually build storylines. And some of the funniest conversations happened in this show. Like, for example, let me give you one. So Tim says to his son one day, he says, There are two different types of pain. Pain and man pain. And his son Mark says, What's man pain? Tim says... Man pain is when you do something stupid. We've all been there, right? Every man in, the, in this room can relate to that. Right? We've all tried something like that. Here's another good one. His son Randy says, my dad's been to the hospital so much they gave him a preferred customer card. <laughs> to which Tim responds, one, one head injury away and we get a trip to Hawaii. It's a funny show. It was it was cute too, right? One year it was the most watched television show in, in America. Another year it was the second most watched television show. And the vast majority of the time, it was in the top five. A couple of years it was it was ranked in the n- number ten. But for the most part, it was the most watched series. And I'm thankful for Tim Allen making clean shows for us to watch still to this day. Like I, I, I'm thankful for that. But you guys remember the show had a neighbor, right? Named Wilson. You guys remember Wilson? Who was always giving good advice to Tim and his family. Like, good advice. But he never, you never got to see his face. He was always behind a fence. Or if he wasn't behind the fence, he was at an angle where you couldn't see his face. Do you guys remember this? Like, this was a big deal. This is before social media and before, like, you could just start Google things and find out who he was. Like, this was everybody wondered, what did Wilson look like? It became a very popular thing. People wanted to know. People watched the show just to find out what he looked like. As it would turn out, the season finale one of the most anticipated events in America. Everybody thought they were going to show his face in the season finale, the series finale. They're going to finish it, and they never actually do. What a disappointment, right? You had to have um, pat- or behind-the-stage passes to actually see Wilson's face that day because they never actually showed it. Everybody wanted to see who Wilson was. But I'll tell you what is much more important and what was much more anticipated than Wilson. Everybody, I think almost all of us in the room, most of humanity has always said, who is God? Who is God? What is his name and will he reveal himself to us? And on the first Christmas, Jesus came down to reveal himself to us, the whole world had waited. Who's, who's, who is God? When is he going to show up and save us? When is he going to show up and show us who he is? And it was anticipated, and Jesus came. This is why the angel said to, to Joseph, he says, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Everybody say Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Which means God with us. God literally came off of his throne to come and live with humanity, which tell which is two important things that you get from this. There's many important things, but two very important things that we get from this. One, we recognize Jesus is God. Two, we recognize that He came to be with us. He came to be Emmanuel. And Paul goes even deeper. Paul, like you can't read Colossians and not walk away going, "Oh, Jesus is God." Like you can't do it. Either Paul was a lunatic, or Jesus was God. Let me read it to you. In Colossians, he says this. He says, he's talking about Jesus, and he says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is... Before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. One day I'm going to preach on that word. It's a good word. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his his cross. Now, I don't know anybody that could read those words and not walk away that Paul is clearly saying to us, Jesus is God. That's who he is, right? It says, the image of the invisible God. All things were created through him. In him, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Jesus is God, folks. He is. He is God with us. He's Emmanuel. You know that Christmas season can be a lonely time, right? It can be. Anybody ever been lonely before on Christmas? It's, I would be surprised if there's anybody in the room over the age of 15 that would say they've never been lonely before, right? It, 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 we, we all have experienced loneliness at some point in time in our life. All of us have done this. I've experienced loneliness on Christmas before. There was a time when I was in my 20s. And I was Christmas all by myself. I was I was working late on Christmas Eve. I didn't get off until late in the afternoon. I was living in Sandpoint. My dad was in Spokane. My parents were living in Montana. My sister had had driven to Montana to go see them. I was I was all my my other sister and brother are teenagers at this point. I was all by myself on Christmas Day. I got up, I went and eat breakfast at Burger King came home, watched a couple Christmas movies, took a nap, and that was it. That was my Christmas that year. And it was a lonely, it was a lonely time for me. But nothing, that's nothing compared to what other people have experienced. Some of you in the room have lost loved ones, right? And then Christmas comes. I'll never forget the Christmas that my grandmother died. She died right before Thanksgiving. And and I can remember that Christmas. It still sticks with me. And some of us that have lost loved ones, we, we get lonely on Christmas, right? Some of us lost grandparents or our parents or spouses or, or I don't know how some people make it that have lost a child, right? Only Jesus can get you through that. And it can become a very, very lonely time. Christmas is full of memories, but the loss of a loved one that has impact on you. And I bet if you look around in just your circle, you can find lots of people that are lonely. And some of those people are even surrounded by other people. Surrounded by other people. And they're still lonely. See, Jesus is who we can always count on to be there with us. He's Emmanuel, God with us. In your loneliest times, you can count on Jesus to be there for you. When you are are fighting depression and you are in those moments of the darkest moments of your life, you can count on Jesus to be there for you. When anxiety has riddled you with fear and all you can think about is what's coming in the future, you can count on Jesus to be there for you. When the stress of this world weighs on your shoulders and you don't know how you can breathe, I've been there, you can count on Jesus to be there for you. He's Emmanuel. God with us. Jesus said. He, we could count on him. He said it over and over again. He says to us. After his death. After his burial. After his resurrection. For the forgiveness of our sins. I'm going to read to you. What he, what he tells his disciples. In Matthew 28 he says this. And Jesus came and said to them. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Emmanuel. Everybody say, Emmanuel. God with us, right? Jesus said, I'm going to be with you to the end of the age. And then do you know what happens next? Anybody? He disappears, right? <laughs> he goes up to heaven. Have you ever thought about this for a minute? I will be with you forever. Whew, gone. You ever thought? You ever think about that for a second? Like, how did them disciples feel in that moment? Like, well, where did he go? Well, I guess he. I guess he'll be back. They just didn't know when. He ascends into heaven. Now, I could stand up here and I could give you the theologically correct explanation. I could say, well, listen, Jesus is God. He's everywhere at all times. He's watching over you. And that is right. That is correct. But at the same time, he just got done saying, I will be with you to the end of the age. And then he disappeared. And he was gone. Anybody ever felt like that before? Anybody? Let me just say this. Jesus will never leave you. He will never forsake you. You can see him working in the world. You can feel his presence at times. But for these disciples in this moment, he was gone. He wasn't there. But I want to propose to you that this idea that, that Jesus was saying is bigger than just the concept that God is everywhere and that Jesus is is everywhere, and so he's always watching over you. I want to propose to you that there's a bigger meaning behind it than just that, right? So in the book of, of Matthew, we read this. It says, Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child, from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was the leading factor in Mary getting pregnant, right? Now, that, 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 that's, that's a concept often referred to, a theological idea called the incarnation, right? It's a doctrine that most of us in the room absolutely believe. In other words, it's the virgin birth, That Joseph was not the father of Jesus, but that God himself was the father of Jesus, right? I would never allow anything other than that to be preached from the pulpit. It's never going to happen, right? Virgin birth. But that was brought about by the Holy Spirit. He was active in that taking place. In fact, J.I. Packer once said this. He said, the incarnation is in itself an unfathomable mystery. But it makes sense of everything else in the old, or excuse me, in the New Testament that the New Testament contains. That, that the Holy Spirit makes sense of everything in the New Testament. Read the book of Acts; you'll see it over and over again it's through the Holy Spirit. Jesus was brought forth through the Holy Spirit, and what does Jesus tell us? Well, in John chapter sixteen, he says this: Nevertheless, I nevertheless I tell you the truth, it is for your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And here's what I'm getting at. For those of us that are born again, we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. We have the Holy Spirit everywhere we go. You cannot be without Jesus because he is inside of you. He's the active agent in your life. Jesus disappeared and ascended. The Holy Spirit came down. And for those of us that are believers, the Holy Spirit is inside of you. Where you go, he goes. You take him everywhere you go. He's Emmanuel, God with us. You cannot be separated from him. It's an impossible thing. Now, in our scripture, you're going to notice that there's another king talked about, right? It's, it's um, Caesar Augustus. You guys remember he was mentioned in our scripture? Much like when you say who, you know, the, maybe the president of the United States is the most powerful person in the world or whatever you would say, Caesar Augustus was that guy. Most people would say, who's the most powerful person in the world? Caesar Augustus. He's the emperor of Rome, even though he never actually officially held the title. He he was the emperor of Rome. He's the most powerful person in the world. Now, I want to give you just a little bit of history, and I think this is important to to compare this to Jesus. Let me give you a little bit of history about Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus was actually born Gaius Octavius, Thurinius. I think I got that right. Gaius Octavius Thurinius, And Caesar Augustus was, was, was eventually the guy that moved Rome from a republic to an empire. So he's the one that did that. So he was the adopted child of Julius Caesar, right? Born in, into riches and then moved Julius Caesar liked him, said, I'm a, you're my son. And he's the adopted child of Julius Caesar. He went through a series of fights with Mark Antony that has been romanticized about in Cleopatra until he became the emperor of Rome. He was the king. Now, after Caesar Augustus' death, Rome declared that Augustus was a god and that he should be worshipped. In fact, Caesar Augustus is the one that started, you will refer to emperors, as lord, which Christians refused to do, which caused the death of many Christians in ancient Rome. He was that guy. He's the guy that implemented that. He was the guy who was born into power born into riches, adopted by Julius Caesar to be the most powerful man in the world. Now, there's historical documentation that says Julius, or excuse me, that Caesar Augustus wanted to be known as savior of the world. That's what he wanted people to remember him as, as savior of the world. This is what I can tell you about Caesar Augustus he would have never put his life on the line for you or I or anyone else. He would have never made friends with the poor or the destitute, right? He would have, he would have never sacrificed himself for anyone else. His entire life was about himself, and yet he wanted to be known as Savior of the world. It's the complete opposite of our true king, of our true savior, which is Jesus. How much did did Jesus desire to be with you? You read it. He was the creator of everything. Everything was made through him and for him. And yet he got off his throne and was born in a manger. He came from glory. He came from a position of power. To being a baby, to being born in a manger, a place to feed animals, to being covered in swaddling cloth, which is just rags. That's the Savior that is the Savior of the world. His first sights would have been animals, right? Now, I think oftentimes in our culture, this is romanticized a little bit. But think about, I mean, animals and babies don't mix. They're loud and babies need to sleep right? Animals smell. Animals use the bathroom where where they're at. They don't use a proper bathroom. Jesus was born into the thing that fed them. He was a king that loved you enough to be born into that. He is the legitimate savior of the world. You hear rags to riches stories all the time. You hear the the story of the the athlete that makes millions of dollars that grew up in a rough home, or the person that can act, or the person that can model. Or you hear stories of the the person that has this fantastic idea and he sells it to the world, Elon Musk, right? You hear the CEO that makes $50 million a year because he's got such a business mind. When was the last time you heard about one of those people giving up everything they have? just to get to know you or I, Jesus. Jesus did that. Jesus stepped off of his throne and he said, I will be Emmanuel, God with them. And that is who he is, folks. And if you've had times of loneliness in your life, or maybe, maybe you aren't lonely, but you, are, you feel like you're far from God, I want you to know this evening... That Jesus is Emmanuel. He wants to be God with you. And he can relate to your despair, your discouragement. And you might be like, Steve, how, how, how can he relate to that? Well, let me, let me show you what it says about Jesus. In Isaiah 53, it says this about him. For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form of majesty that we should look at him. And no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. Anybody ever been despised and rejected before? Jesus can relate to you. He's been there too. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Anybody ever grieved before? Jesus is your Emmanuel. He'll be there with you. And as one with whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Jesus can relate to your rejection, to your grief. And on the cross, when the Father turned his back on him, he can relate to your loneliness. My God, my God, where are you? Jesus is your Emmanuel, God with us. I want to end this this Christmas sermon if the worship team wants to come forward. We're going to sing a song but I, as I was praying about it, I just really felt led like let's get a glimpse of, of eternity and what eternity looks like, right? So I just felt like Revelation chapter 22, and it says this. It says, Then the angel showed me the river of, of the water of life, brightest crystal, flowing down from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And through the middle of the street... Of the city also on either side of the river, the tree of life and its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. I want you to know all that loneliness, all that despair, all those times that you've grieved. Jesus is going to heal you. He's going to heal you. No longer will there be anything accursed. But the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. And his servants will worship him. And they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. And night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun. For the Lord God will be their light. And they will reign forever and ever. So the next time somebody says to you, what does eternity look like? The answer is actually really just simple in a nutshell. Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel, we spend eternity with Jesus. He's gonna wipe away every tear, He's gonna heal every heart, He's gonna fix all the problems. That's what eternity looks like. And He's going to be our light. He's gonna love you enough, He's gonna tattoo His name on you. Did you know that? You know when I when I uh, um, met Tracy, one of the things I told her is that if you marry me, I will get a tattoo with your name on it. I still have not done that, <laughs> so you know that was a trick. It's a trick. But Jesus loves you enough; He's gonna tattoo His name on you. He's gonna say, "These are my people. You ain't messing with them no more, devil. I love them. I will be their healing, their light." So this is what I want to do tonight. As we're closing, we're going to close in just a minute. Would you turn on that little candle you got? If you want to stand to your feet for me, if you can. What we're going to do is we're going to be a little bit of that light tonight, right? Now, it's symbolic because we're the light of Jesus when we show the love to the world, right? That's, what we're, that's, what, that's when we really are the light of Jesus. But it's symbolically, we're going to be that light tonight. For that day that when Jesus takes away all night, And he is our light. But this this little candle is going to represent that you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And that that you carry that light wherever you go, Emmanuel. We're going to sing Emmanuel, God with us. Then I'm going to come up and pray. And we're going to go enjoy our Christmas Eve festivities. But I want you to remember, you carry that light wherever you go. Jesus is always with you.